so my very first business that I started complete utter fail. Like I tried, tried building a business too fast, raising too much money, uh, all the, all just bad mistakes. Of course I launched in 2008, right in the middle of the, uh, the financial crash. And, and so good timing, um, good timing. So yeah, ended up, (laughs) yeah, great timing. So two and a half years later, ended up, uh, filing for bankruptcy. And, uh, so January 26th, 2011, I had less than $1,000 in my bank account, filed chapter seven bankruptcy, had, had my car repoed right out of my driveway, all my assets stripped, my investments gone. Welcome to Big Business Mistakes, hosted by Brandon and Kaylin Poulin. Hear the most successful entrepreneurs tell jaw-dropping stories and lessons behind their biggest business mistakes so that you don't make them. Ditch the fake highlight reel and get the raw truths and golden lessons of what it actually takes to scale your business from those who have done it. This is Big Business Mistakes. Hey guys, what's going on? Welcome to another episode of the Big Business Mistakes Show. Chris Lee, we got you in the in the pod today, man. Excited, bro. Let's go. Excited to be here. Thanks for being here, man. You guys, I am pumped. Pumped is a an understatement to have this guy on here. He's a he's a giant. He's a giant. Like he's an absolute business giant. I was just reading his bio. Uh, we've been friends for for many years now, man. How long have we known each other? For like five years? Uh, three or four years. Three, yeah. three or four years. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah. this. It's hard. To- <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't, time is like, is like elusive for me. Uh, this guy's got 1,300 team members, guys. 1,300 employees, right? Financial Times, sixth fastest growing privately held company in the nation. And guys, he did this in five and a half years. Dude, congrats, bro. You're, you're an absolute monster. Thanks. You know what I love about, about you, Chris, and, and just like why I feel like we've always jived? is is your family man dude you've got your wife for 17 years you've been married you have five kids bro i feel like yeah i feel like you could write a book on just like doing all of this with five kids like that's its own side story right it's funny yeah whenever whenever i go to a a business conference or, or whatnot and people find out i have five kids they're just like what like i'm i'm 40 and i'm not i've never been married yeah <laughs> you know? like yeah like so. they can't even fathom having one kid and you've got five bro that's incredible man and <laughs> i've seen your family beautiful family and uh so you. you're out of washington right washington state that's and, right and um guys chris is uh he, he's an investor now he's uh and you just did a private equity deal bro you did so you did a big deal yeah, yeah. I've actually, actually done two two deals in the last twelve months, um, two nine figure uh, deals. So it's been uh, with uh, so Soljin. Soljin is the the company I founded, and then I was also a, a co founder, uh, a smaller equity share in another company that uh, that had a nine figure deal. So pretty uh, in the last in the last twelve months, pretty been been love crazy. it, man. Love it, man. That's like people people's minds are going to get blown today, guys. We're going to have Chris. We're going to have Chris spill all of his biggest 
mistakes today so that you guys can learn from them. I'm excited for this one, man. Like, like, so, so, so for those of you guys in the audience, those of you guys listening, all I got one ask for you today. We're going to do lots of giving. I got one ask. All I ask is that whatever your biggest takeaway is today, leave a five-star review. Tell us what it is because I want to hear. Me, me and Kaylin, we read those reviews. We want to hear from you guys. That's the best way to get in touch and get in front of us. So, uh, so Chris is going to drop some bombs today. I already know. So, so Chris, l- l- let's just dive right in, bro. Um, tell me, man. Tell me. I got to know this because you know, when we came up with this concept with big business mistakes, we're like, I wonder how people are going to react to like sharing the the bad stuff, right? Because we all want to like put our highlight reel out there. What's like your initial kind of reaction or thought about sharing some of your mistakes today? So it was interesting. The The biggest turning point in my career was when I started to own all my mistakes. And, and so uh, in, so my very first business that I started, complete utter fail. Like I tried, tried building a business too fast, raising too much money, uh, all the, all just bad mistakes. Of course I launched in 2008, right in the middle of the, uh, the financial crash. And, and so good timing, um, good timing. So yeah, ended up, (laughs) yeah, great timing. So two and a half years later, ended up, uh, filing for bankruptcy. And, uh, so January 26th, 2011, I had less than a thousand dollars in my bank account filed chapter seven bankruptcy, had, had my car repoed right out of my driveway, all my assets stripped, my investments gone. Um, what was that? What was that first business, bro? What was that first deal? What was the first venture? So, so it was a home security business. So we did, uh, we did sales and installs of home security and automation. Um, and so I've always been in like residential marketing of different products, services or whatnot. And, uh, yeah, so I, I had gotten into this industry as a college student. Um, I would go and I would sell products door to door during, during my summers. Uh, I was a door to door salesman, uh, starting in 2005, six, seven. Knock, and, knocking, uh, man. Yeah, knocking. You were one of those knocking. guys, man. Oh, it'll, knocking doors, oh there's nothing baby. that adults care you know, I, I like make- knocking doors. I would make ridiculous money doing this too. And, uh, so yeah, it it was, it was in that uh, industry. I dropped out of college to start that first business, made a ton of mistakes. And initially when I filed bankruptcy and lost everything, I covered it up. I, I didn't, I didn't want anybody to know about it. Right. Like I was pissed when they, they, uh, in the local newspaper, they would take all the filing, the, all the bankruptcy filings and post about them. And there's very few people that actually read those, but the ones that did, like they were like calling me out and stuff. It was kind of weird. Um, this was, this was back in 2011, but, uh, I, I hid from it and I didn't want to accept it as a reality. People would ask me like, Oh, did you sell your car? You know, I'd be like, Oh yeah, I sold it. You know, or like, Oh, what are you doing now? Oh, I'm doing something different or whatever. Yeah. Right. And it wasn't until about about three years later that I decided, you know what? I need to tell the world about all my failures. I need to be open about it and and really more for myself personally to just quit lying to myself. And when I did that, my my career tra- trajectory completely changed. And because 
I started sharing my story, started being open about it and just like being more authentic to myself. And yeah, it, it just made changing and learning and growing and developing so much easier as soon as I started accepting the truth. So you had like, you had that ego in the beginning, right? You didn't, you were successful, you made some money and then, and then it failed and then you BK'd. And then you were like, you're like, mm -hmm. man, I don't want anybody to know. I can relate to that, man. It's hard yes. to talk about that stuff. It's like the more recent it is too, right? It's like, it's like mm -hmm. time, time heals those wounds. So, so you're in that, that door yeah. knocking business. Did you have other guys? Did you hire other guys? Like, so, so what made it like, yeah, what it led is. to the demise? We, like, what led to the demise of it? Yeah. Oh, so, so many things, right? So we hired, oof, I don't know if I had 250 employees or something. Um, I, I can't remember the exact number, but we opened up in six different locations. Like, so one, we raised money, uh, it, from investors and two, chose the worst investors in the world, my father-in-law and my father. Um, <laughs> uh, and so backing it up, my dad, I grew up in a household with seven children. My dad was a school teacher. My mom was a stay-at-home mom. We had nothing. And so my dad was an avid investor, like just put money away and made us work from, I mean, I had my first job when I was nine years old. But, uh, so my dad had saved this money through 401ks and stock market and stuff like that. And then all of a sudden, you know, so he goes, he invested $200,000 into my business, which was a lot of money for him. My father and I put a million bucks into it. They had equity positions in the business. We took it and just blew it. Like it was just like bigger, faster, you know, all, you know, 1.2 million now doesn't seem like as much money as it did back then. Like back then that was a ton of freaking money too. How, how old were you? How old were you when that started? I was 24, 24 years old. So you first, first business, 24, you raised $1.2 million and you blew it and you blew it all. Mm -hmm. It was your dad's and your father-in-law's. So it was your wife's, your yeah. wife's father and your father's money. Wow. Yep. Yep. And how did that, how did that conversation yeah, so that go, man? Oh man. Uh, you know, my dad, my dad was always a champion about it. You know, he always said, Hey, look, I know you're going to make things right. I believe in you. Keep going. My father-in-law was a complete jerk about it. Um, you know, we didn't talk for like really talk for a number of years. Um, and we lived nearby each other and it was just always really awkward at family gatherings and reunions and everything mm -hmm. else. And every once in a while, when he got courage to talk to me, it was like, he'd like blow up on me. I just like how, you know, terrible of a human being I was and just all kinds of stuff, you know? And so that was hard. That was hard for, for a number of years after that. Right. Yeah. And, and, uh, you know, the conversation in 2011, when I had to like, let him know exactly what happened and that all of his money was gone and, uh, that he invested, and, you know, that, that was a, that was a tearful experience. So would sure. you, would you tell uh, someone right now, would you tell someone right now who's in the, in the beginning, would you tell them don't take any money from friends or family? Like, would you go back and not yes, do that? Absolutely. Yeah, I would, I would bootstrap, you know, and that's with my, with my, uh, now business, we bootstrapped it com completely. You know, we didn't want any outside investment or, or anything like that, but, um, you know, and if you can put your head on backwards, bro, you can put your head on backwards for the bootstrap, you, man. Come on. Yeah, there we go. All right. There we go. 
So, you know, it, if you're going to take investors' money, don't take any investors' money that you, that you know. <laughs> like, go and do a Series A, you know, or a, a seed round, a Series A, or whatever, and just and have somebody else do the the raise. Don't don't do it yourself. It, it was, that was a terrible experience for yeah. me, but taught me a lot and gave me some good uh, good pressure over over the years. Totally. So, what was the the thing that led to the demise? Right. So, you just came out of the gate swinging. You hired all these guys. You're knocking on doors. You're selling alarm systems. Right. You're selling home security. Yep. What was like? Like you said, you went too fast. Like, can you dig into that a little bit? Like, I want to get I want to get yeah, to yeah, like, yeah. So, like the the dirt of that. So I, yeah yeah the, the core the core principles of it are this one. Um, we built a, we built a business to impress others, right? Um, it, wow. I, I think probably one of the biggest mistakes Powerful, one, bro. On, entrepreneur, I, I think one, one of the biggest mistake any entrepreneur makes is doing things to impress others, right? So, um, and, and impressing two different types of folks. We were trying to impress our employees and we were trying to impress our customers like that, that is not the goal. Like impressing a cut, like providing a customer experience that's phenomenal is different than impressing mm. them. Right. Um, and so like, or to look good to them. And, and, and what, what I mean by that is for, for our employees, we tried paying them more than anybody else was paying. And then our customers, we charged them less than anybody else was charging them. Right. And so just completely shrank down the margins all for like the this the, this appearance. And then and then we spent all this money on like the buildings and the cars and, you know, just uh, like we had a freaking like in our in our welcome or reception area, nice waterfall, you know, with all kinds of just crazy, you know, just stupid crap that we spent money on that wasn't returning didn't have any ROI besides to our egos. And so it was, it was all just like egocentric based, like, Hey, I'm a business owner. I can build a big business. Uh, you know, just, just all these things to, to be able to tout to other people rather than letting the action speak for themselves from, from a standpoint of like running a successful business, running, you know, those, those type of things. And then people realizing, wow, they, they are pretty awesome because they consistently deliver an incredible product or whatever it may be. So yeah, man, there was just, there was just a lot of ego based stuff that, that led to the demise. And, and then you top it all off, it was a terrible time, right? Like, like I knew the economy was crashing, but I chose to be blind to it mm. and, and just, and just act completely opposite of what was happening all around me. Right. Wow. Like being in a consumer, a consumer based product business during 2008, am I stupid? Like, like it required a passing credit homeowner, you know, like literally the, everybody's losing their homes, credits, trash, banks are seizing up, uh, you know, all loans, everything like that. And I'm like trying to go the exact opposite. Like, Oh yeah, double down. Look at cool. How cool I am. Um, so yeah, man, wow. it was, it was just a lot of, and then, and then on top of that bad partnerships, I, I chose to partner with the wrong people. Um, I had two business partners, you know, I, my name was on everything cause I had the best credit. Um, you know, these are guys that, stop showing up to work after things got hard. 
Um, in, in fact, one of one of my business partners, um, after that business failed, he went on to running a Ponzi scheme and served time in federal penitentiary um, for for doing a twenty. He ran a twenty seven million dollar Ponzi hey, scheme. Hey, maybe that maybe that uh, failure happened for you, man. So you didn't go to go to jail with him, man. <laughs> so I didn't get caught Chris, up with Chris, that. I got to stop for a second, Jeez. dude, because what you just you just blew my mind, bro. I mean, I hope you guys are getting this right now. Like building a bit, he built a business to impress his employees, to impress other people, and you compressed all your margin. It was like, man, that's I've never heard anybody say that before. That's so good, dude. That's like so. And then and then not to mention, you said the second thing that was so good. You were swimming against a macroeconomic current, right? You were swimming against the current. Everyone's losing their house and you're selling alarm systems that you'd put in when you got a new house, right? Like kind of just, you just think like, hey, if I'm going to start a business right now or I'm going to go into something or invest in something, like probably shouldn't swim against the current of the entire economy, right? In that way. Yeah. And, and you can expand in a recession, right? Like, don't get me wrong. That's not what I'm saying, but, but that makes sense. And then bad business partners, man, tell me about that. That's, that's, that's juicy, man. So this guy goes on and just commits a, uh, he, he creates a Ponzi scheme and investment fraud. Did you talk to him at all? Like, did he try yeah. to get money from you? It was gnarly. Yeah, dude. So the, the sad part, the sad part is, is I introduced him to a lot of the relationships that he took advantage of. And, and so, oh no, and I, unknowing to me what was actually going on. Right. Like, and, uh, I had invested money with him and later got paid out. I mean, come to, come to find out, of course, that money wasn't a return. It was somebody else's money being paid to me. Yep. Um, uh, but, uh, but yeah, man, it's, it ended up being pretty bad. Like I had, I had introduced him to a good friend of mine that had got a couple million in a divorce settlement and she put like, uh, you know, half a million bucks or something with, with him gone. Uh, my grandpa money gone, dad gone, like all, all kinds of kinds of oh, stuff. So no. that, that was a pretty, you know, I used, I used to say there's only two people in this world that I hate. And, and that guy was one of them. Fair. Um, I've gotten over it. I've gotten over it though. And, uh, in fact, I, I saw him for the first time after he gotten out of prison, I saw him at a golf course, I don't know, it was two or three years ago. And, uh, it was, it was funny. Cause I, I went up to him, I saw him and it, you know, I, I've always just tried to live by the fact like, Hey, I forgive, like no matter how deep the hate is or whatever. Um, walked up to him and I went to go just give him a hug and say, Hey, what's up, man? Haven't seen you forever. Um, but, uh, he started like, you could tell that he had played this moment in his mind many times before that, like, this is a guy that used to be extremely confident, literally just took people's money. He had so much confidence, right. To like, he had become like this dog with the tail between his legs. And, and he started like muttering to himself. He's like, Oh, we're, do we're doing this. You know, like, you know, he, he couldn't believe that I was willing to like go up and, and give him a hug and, and just be like, Hey dude, how you doing? You know, he, he thought it, I could tell by the look in his face that I, he thought I was just going to punch him. But, yeah. uh, um, I mean, he should think that, bro. Like, he should have that thought. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so I mean, partnerships, man. I I got burned pretty bad in that first one. 
my other my other partner there was some fishy stuff going on finances and with his wife running the books and you know there's there was just all kinds of weird crap that, that went on between that partnership and and the one thing i resolved you know some people would go from that experience and say i'm never going to have a partnership ever again in my life i'm just going to be a solo owner solopreneur whatever yeah. um own 100% that's not what I took from it. I took from it is like, man, I, I love partnerships. Like I'm a, I'm a gregarious dude. I want to be around people that are winning with me and I, I want equity shareholders. And so for me, it was just like, okay, what kind of partner do I want? And so I, from then on, I was, I was very careful in the way that I set up partnerships and making sure like proper clauses were put into our, um, operating agreements and, and all kinds of stuff that, that allows for bad partnerships to dissolve and good partnerships to thrive. And so, um, yeah, that's, and since then I've found a ton of success in, in creating good partnerships. Love that, man. I love that. Chris, what's the most expensive mistake that you've made in business and how much did it cost you? Shiz. Um, well, I mean, I guess let's let's talk about uh, some recent mistakes. You know, the recent ones are the hardest ones to talk about. Um, you know, we uh, this last year we grew by in 2022 we grew by 300 percent. Our revenue went from uh, it was 85 million to 250 million. Wow! Um, and and it was it was wild, right? It was, it was a crazy, fun, exciting year, right? Um, towards the end of last year, there was, there was some massive headwinds in the market, right? Interest rates change, uh, you know, uh, inflation's going through the roof, all different, all different types of things that were macroeconomic situations that really, we had no, no choice over, but like the mistake was made is like, we, we were a little blind to it. Um, from a standpoint of, we didn't, we're like, ah, you know, we've established our business really well. We're, you know, cash flow positive and like the great margins and sitting on a lot of inventory and we're in this just great, great position. And, uh, you know, f frankly, like it smacked us upside the head when, you know, sales are going like this and then they, and then they plateau. And in my business, when sales are going like this, you have to build ops out two to three months in, in ahead of your pipeline in order to make sure that there's enough to support. Cause so we, we sell and we install solar systems and residential homes. And we, we have two different sales floors that, that do it. Um, we have a little bit of outside sales, but mo most of it's done through online lead generation and whatnot. Um, and you guys are, but you yeah, guys are fully vertical guys. guys this, this guy's got yep. a, a, a nine figure solar company, right? Fully vertical, generates his own leads, sells his own leads, installs his own, owns it, you know, employs his installers. And then you probably buy direct, right? For all your materials at this point, I'm sure. And, yes. So we buy all of our product directly from them. The only thing we don't do is manufacture. We don't use middlemen or distributors. We also have our own finance company. 
Um, and so with our own fund and process loans and every, yeah. everything like that. And so, so you guys, you guys, and, and you guys these, were, were just cranking, you're cranking in 2022. I mean, tripling at that size is intense, man. I mean, you must've laid, you must've laid quite a foundation to be able to do that and not crumble, right? Like to handle that. Well, dude, so, so here's the crazy thing is we, we had literally grown at like 300% a year for like three or four years straight. And so it was just freaking like building the rocket yeah. as it's going, right? And you're, you're on the plane, you know, you're manufacturing the wing. And, and so, um, so, I mean, that, that's, that's how it was. And everybody remembers a year ago, man, it was hard to find a freaking heartbeat to work for you. It, it was it was a completely different economic game a year yes. ago as far as available employees, right? I mean, let me give you an idea. Like <coughs> electricians, abnormally expensive and hard to find. A year ago, if I wanted to hire an electrician, I had to pay a $10,000 signing bonus and I had to pay 40% more than the market would to be able to attract somebody to leave their current job. Wow. Today, today, if I put out a, a uh, job posting for an electrician, I'll have seven guys line up at my door. Like it's a, it's a completely different, uh, completely different econ economy. And, and so, Wait, I mean, this is what I want to stop on that for a second. And we're just, I want to stop on that for a second. But th your ability to yeah. recognize the environment you were in and say, my growth is important. I know what I need. I'm willing to pay a 40% above market. Right. I'm willing to give the 10K bonus because I'm willing to do what it takes because I've evaluated the situation right now. I think a lot of entrepreneurs, man, right. we we step over dollars, we pinch, we pinch pennies, and we're like, we're not willing to invest or pay above market or or pay to continue momentum and fuel growth. And I think that's so good, man. When you said that, it just like it daggered me. Like there's been times where like I'm I'm like being too cost-minded instead of growth-minded. Right. And you got to be cost conscious. You can't let that get out of control. But I love that, man. So, so, so dig into like, dig into that mistake for me. So, so tell me how much it costs you. Like, like help me understand that part. So your rocket trajectory, yeah, plateaued, I mean, dude, like me, what does that look like? Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, get, I'll give you an idea, right? So for like the last six months we've, we've plateaued and you know, we're doing between 20 and 25 million a month, which, which in, I, I think most business owners are like, oh, that's phenomenal. And that's great. <laughs> Yeah. But those those first those first three months of the last six months were brutally painful, right? And and the and the reason is once again when you're built you're selling like this and they go like this and you build ops like this, this gap represents employees. This gap represents people you got to get rid of. It, it represents fixed costs that you acquired that that uh, you no longer can afford, right? And and so. Um, and you know, whether you're doing $10 in revenue, $10 million in revenue or a hundred million dollars in revenue, all like the same percentages apply, right? If you, if you get, uh, if you overbuild or you overdo these things, then, then all of a sudden you have to, you have to make changes. You have to make cuts. I mean, and, and frankly, like it's cost me. And, and now, now here's the thing. I'm not sure I would have done it any other way. Um, like, uh, I, I think there was a, there was a couple macroeconomic signs that, that we probably could have acted a little bit faster, right? We, we could have been like, 
That's happening. Interest rates just got rise. This is going to impact sales. Let's stop hiring. Let's start cutting. Yeah, let's stop hiring. Let, let, <laughs> not even let's stop hiring, but let's start cutting yeah. because the problem the problem is, like I said, we with our with our pipeline, we have to hire two to three months in advance of what we think sales will be because of the way to keep up with everything. Yep. And so like, no matter what, when you go with sales, go to this, we've already overhired. And, and so from a, from an operation standpoint, and so we dragged, we dragged our feet, we dragged our feet and getting rid of people. And so like today we would have 1600 employees had we not made the cuts that we did. And, and so, and, and it was, it was brutal, man. Like hard, hard, hard lessons over the last six, six months of just like detaching emotion from like, what's the best decision for the business? Uh, because you develop relationships, you've made promises, you've done this, that, and the other. And now you're like, shiz, man, like this isn't, we're not growing 300% this year. And so yeah. when everybody else, you know, it's a battle, like bro. A year ago, a, a year ago, we're, we're, point, we're paying the vision of, hey, dude, 2023 and 2024 will be at a, a run rate of a billion dollars in sales, right? Like that's, that was the, that was the vision that was being painted. And there was no reason why we shouldn't have been there, right? Like we had everything in place and whatnot, but then macroeconomic headwinds just like smack. You go from, you know, our, our traditional offering to our customer was a one nine nine interest rate to a seven nine nine interest totally rate. Changes the whole you know, deal. It's just like the whole deal's different. Yeah, dude, the, the the product offering the customer is completely different. So you literally cannot grow at three hundred percent. And so, you know, just learning these lessons all over again at a much bigger scale of like, you've got to be way ahead and like forward thinking of like, how is the macroeconomic and don't like, don't build your business as an exception. Okay. Like you, like no matter how cool you think you are, no matter how great you think you're at business, you're not a freaking exception to the rule. Like don't, don't build it. Now, if you end up being an exception rule, awesome. You make that much more money. So but like, good, bro, don't think so good. Don't think it's like somehow, like, cause dude, that's what killed me in 2008. And I couldn't afford to get killed in 2008. I just got murdered, right? 2000, 2023, I can afford it, but it, but it's still painful, right? Like it still, it still hurts, you know? And, and so frankly, I mean, dude, that, that mistake has probably cost, like, had we acted three months sooner, probably 10 to 20 million, you know? So let me ask you um, so this, man. Did that 10 to 20 million, did it hurt more or less than some of the money that you lost early on? Or was it like the same? Uh, no, no, the stuff that I lost early on was way more painful. Uh, you know, this this is painful now just to mainly like, I thought I figured this crap out 10 years ago, you <laughs> yeah. know? And, uh, you know, realizing that you never have it figured out. And, you know, Mistakes at any level are just bigger and higher scale mistakes. Um, but it, but it's different now. Like I've before, because I had set such a crappy foundation on that first business and doing everything egocentric, like it didn't take much for that foundation to crumble. This time I built everything the right way 
focused on delivering a quality product at a great price, like highest in the market, right? And just basically putting in all these all these levers and and all the all this foundation where that we can withstand stuff like this. Now, was have we made mistakes in the last year or two? Yes, but we can withstand them because of the foundation that we created. I love that, man. And, I love uh, that. You 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 tripped and fell, you learned from it, you picked up, and then you know, 15 years later, dude, you're you know closing in on $300 million a year in sales, right? That's crazy, dude. Mm -hmm. Like most people can't even fathom $30 million a year in sales, right? Like, right. like you just, you just think big, man. You, you went upstream, you got your own supplier. You're like, I'm flying to China, bro. I'm flying to, or wherever. I don't know where they're at, but, um, that's, that's amazing, bro. All over the world. So, so Chris, uh, I've been, been to, go ahead. I, I was just going to dive right into the next one, bro. Uh, the, a lot of people, I think they struggle, especially parents, right? They struggle to believe that you can build a company or go go big, right? And, and have kids, right? And I've got two kids, bro. I got a four-year-old and almost two-year-old. But you got five, bro. You got five kids, right? And so um, how do you manage that, dude? Like, and and like you to me, bro, you you uh you have the energy, and when we talk, it's like you're a dad, you're a dad before you're a CEO. Like like I've seen the way you talk about your family. We've talked about the stuff that you guys do. Like, how do you put all that together, man? So, so, I mean, you hit the nail on the head. Like first and foremost, I'm a father, right? Like that is it. Husband, father, nothing, not it's God, family, everything else. And, you know, what makes me different than most entrepreneurs is I chose to have a family and build a business around it rather than have a business and try to build a family. So around good. It. And, and so, you know, when I got married, I was 21 years old, you know, me and my wife, uh, we were high school sweethearts. I went and served a mission for my church for two years and came home, got married two and a half months later. And, uh, Dude, we were broke. We had nothing. We had, you know, nothing but a dream. Uh, we had, I had a thousand dollars in my bank account. I owed a guy a thousand dollars for the 1991 Ford Thunderbird that he gave to me and said that, uh, and he said, pay me a thousand bucks when you can. Uh, that, that was literally, that was my financial position when I got married. And the money I spent on my diamond ring, I had, for my wife, I had saved up since I was 12 years old. I literally had a diamond ring fund put aside because for oh, wow. me, it's principle based stuff. Like, like my parents had an incredible relationship. You know, they had their Rocky stuff or whatever, but they, it was always family centric. My mom always taught me put God first. And for me, God is family. And, and so I knew as a very young person that I wanted to be a family man and I was going to and I was going to align my goals around that. And so, so how do you do that, man? 12, how do you do that? Like, like tact, like right now, right. Or maybe, maybe during like even the high growth process, like tactically, like how do you build your business around your family? Like, like in the day to day in your schedule, like, how do you do that? How do you manage that? Yeah. So, so for me, life is broken down into four areas. 
ASCP, Association Spirituality, Economic and Physique, associations of your family and, and just any relationship that you're and And so all four areas have to be addressed every single day, right? Like it, you can't, you never grow by focusing on one for a bit and then focusing on another for a bit. Like that just leads to like fatness or eating 30 apples in a day rather than one apple a day for 30, uh, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so it's like, Every single day, I pray with my family. Every single day, right? Um, every every single day, I read scriptures with my family. Every single day, I spend concentrated time with my kids. Now, I was taught by a mentor several years back that like so many of us, we try to look at life as one pie and we slice it up like this goes to my family, this goes to my family my business, this goes this, that, and the other. He says, we got to stop looking at it as one pie. We got to, we got to take each section of life. My association spirituality is one pie. And when you're there, when you're doing it, you are a hundred percent present and you're just freaking motorboat boating that sucker, like right, right in there. And and nothing else, nothing else is on so oh, motorbike motor motorboat the pie that's the title of this episode motorboat the pie like <laughs> like if i'm with my kids with my kids right phone is away everything else is and and for my kids 10 minutes of interaction face to face completely bought in phone away is worth way more than 2 hours half-heartedly being around them with my smartphone with whatever, this, that, and the other, like thinking about business, thinking about this. And so I'm not perfect at this by any means, but I try to be. And Yeah, yeah, yeah and you're not so, perfect at motorboating the pie. Is there a specific technique we need to like really hone in on that, right? <laughs> <laughs> meaning, meaning like, like I, I, I want to be with my kids and be 100% committed and not distracted. But I mean, that, that doesn't mean that sometimes I, I don't slip up and I'm just like sitting there like responding to texts while my kid is trying to tell me a story, right? Like, uh, so, so for that, for me, man, it's just like, I spend that, that time and like Sundays are sacred for me. I never work. Like, like if I'm working on a Sunday, it is a very rare occasion like that is my time for God and my time for family. Like that is my family day. We like my Sundays are awesome. We wake up at 7 a.m. We get up. Uh, we we go to church. We spend two hours at church. We come home from church. We eat a meal together. Sometimes we take a couple hour nap. And then the rest of the evening, we spend time playing games, talking about the week, planning for the week you know, doing different things like that is my sacred restart every single, every single week. And like, and then I have just a little piece of that throughout the week that's associated with my. I family. love that, man. That's so good. I think, I think my biggest takeaway is the motorboating the pie. I think that's my favorite analogy I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> I was like, so how do you be a family man? You got to motorboat the pie, bro. I'm like, this could go a lot. Yes. If someone doesn't have context, that could go a lot of different directions. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. I love that. I love oh, that's that. What that's so good, man. So, so how many, how many uh, weeks of vacation do you take a year? Oh, like, 
at one, like each, like a whole week. I, I probably have like four full, nah, probably six full weeks that I go on vacation and then like sprinkle in like two to three days. Um, and, and like, that's the other thing is I've always been committed to vacation. I know some entrepreneurs are like, I don't vacation or da, da, da. now don't get me wrong. It's, it's hard to unplug just like every entrepreneur, right? It takes two or three days for me to like really get into the vacation mode. But like one thing my dad taught me growing up is you prioritize vacation. Even if you, if you don't, uh, even if you can't afford it, you figure out a way to be able to get away, spend time with your family, unplug. Yeah. yeah anyone could buy a tent, bro. You could buy a tent and go hike up in a park. You don't need money to vacation. Right. That's right. That's I love right. that. That's good, man. See guys, listen, you could, you can be like, where's your excuse, right? I'm like, I don't have any excuses. I'm listening to you guys. All right. Guy's got five kids, right? He motorboats the pie, right? He takes six weeks of vacation a year, right? Doesn't work on Sundays, right? I'm the same way. And, and you've got, you know, you're, you say you're 40, right? Yeah. You're 40, I'm sorry. You're 40, right? Yeah, uh, 39. 39. Bro, you're not even 40. You said 40 earlier in the episode. You're 39, bro. Uh, you're 39. And you got you got almost 300 million in revenue. That's crazy, dude. I love that. Love that, man. So tell me the most emotional, emotionally difficult mistake that you've made. Like in the business context, right? Like the thing that's like, you're like, oh, I did something dumb. It's just like the hardest thing for you to to just deal with internally? Yeah. So, I mean, it was, uh, my, my first, my, so my first business failure, just the bankruptcy, man, I, I felt like I had let so many people down, not only my investors, my two fathers, but like there was people that like, I mean, we shut the doors on them and dude, I mean, I had, people sending me emails like, dude, you know, like almost death threats type stuff. And that was hard on me. And at that point in my career, I wasn't calloused at all. You know, like I, I hadn't gone through extremely difficult things that make me like, well, I, there's going to be a light at the tunnel sometime. I, I didn't know when the light uh, that there could ever be another light at the end of the tunnel. And uh, yeah, man, that was, that was, that was extremely, extremely difficult. And then meanwhile, I had, you know, people coming to me cause I'm at, at that point, I'm almost 27 years old. I'm a month before my 27th birthday and no money, no nothing. Um, and I got people like coming up to me at church and been like, dude, got to stop chasing the money. You just need to go back, finish up school, mm. get a real job get something nice and secure. Like, because there was a point in my life where I wanted to be a doctor and like, that was a big goal of mine. And, and I was doing everything possible to do so. And, you know, and so like there, there was definitely a battle of like, man, maybe they're right. Maybe, maybe I do just need to go finish up school, go to med school, be out when I'm 39, you know, you would have like, just gotten out, bro. Started, you would have just gotten out. <laughs> would have been just, just out, like out of my residency or something right now. And, uh, you know that, and, and I'm, and I'm just super grateful that I didn't, I didn't listen to those people, but it was, it was, it was why, didn't, why didn't you listen? And, uh, what made you ignore them? Like, how'd you, how'd you process that? 
Because that's a lot of influence. You got a lot of people telling you, you had this huge blow up, you're 27. What are you going to do with your life? You you probably liked and trusted these people, right? Like, how did you not listen to them? You know, it it goes back, for me, it goes back to trees. Um, And uh, I'll I'll tell you how this makes sense. But um, at that point, I had realized, man, I've learned a lot and I've grown a ton. And if I just throw it all away and go back and do something completely different, then, you know, what was, what was the last bit for, right? Like, was, was it all for not? And uh, I love trees. I'm a big tree guy. I have 23 acres, um, nine acres of cherry trees, two and a half acres of walnut trees. I have probably 300 trees that we planted in our yard. I think trees teach you more about life and leadership and everything than, than most things. And, um, the analogy I love is like, you know, a lot of people, they focus so much on the fruit. So I have cherry trees and a lot of people focus on like the fruit is what I get when it, when it produces or whatnot. And when your focus is only on the fruit, on the end result, on the money, on the feeling, the relationship, whatever else, and it's not there, it leads and and if we don't understand that it's not about the fruit, it leads us to actions like chopping the tree down. Okay. And not realizing mm-hmm. that the whole reason that you have fruit is because of the tree. And and that the tree has become this great thing over time. It's put its roots down, you've worked on it, you've watered it, you've fertilized it, you've taken care of it, um, you've pruned it, you've help fix disease or whatever else, which has ultimately allowed it to produce tree or produce fruit. And when we focus on the fruit, we forget that a lot of times fruit is circumstantial. It's seasonal. And it's like seasonal, example, right? Yeah. It's seasonal and circumstantial because I'll, and I'll give you an idea. So my cherries, right? Cherry farming is, is great when you hit, when it, when it's a great, when it has a great crop, but it's very risky because what can happen is, bad weather, uncontrollable things that you literally cannot decide whether or not you have a good crop will come and hit and you don't get cherries that year. And so like in this point in my life, I didn't get cherries, right? Like I didn't have any fruit, but I had the tree. I had the tree. And like, if I didn't realize that I had the tree, I would have made the biggest mistake of my life and just chopped it down and gone and and tried doing something else. And, and not realizing that, man, it was just a few poor decisions. Yeah, maybe I didn't take care of the tree as well as I should have, but the weather, right? The macroeconomics, the things that actually kept me from producing fruit this year, mm. you know, and, and ultimately because I built on that foundation, because I built on that tree, I've been able to reproduce fruit season year in and, and year out. And it's gotten better and sweeter and great. But ultimately the whole goal is like, what kind of tree can I become, whether I produce fruit or not? And, and like, that is my goal in life. And that's what I teach my children. So like, good, bro. Hey, we're trees. So good. Be the freaking tree. Don't work for the fruit. The fruit is simply a derivative of being great. Yeah. It's not, it's not the goal. So would you say that when you were building that first business that failed, that BKed, you were building, like you were growing as a tree, like you had the trunk and the branches started to come out. And then obviously you didn't produce fruit, but instead of jumping into another vehicle, like 
being the doctor, going back and doing something else. You were like, I stayed where I had experience and had grown in. Is that kind of what you mean? Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, I I knew exactly what I had, uh, what we had failed at and where we, what mistakes we made and relying on banks and all kinds of investors and stuff like that. So immediately I started another home security business immediately Okay, because, because I knew the problem was, is under that current model and those business partners and everything else, there was no light at the end of the tunnel. But I knew a completely different model that didn't require investors, didn't require all these all these things that I knew could be successful, and I started it, and I, I built a pretty good successful business, and I sold that off, and um, it wasn't crazy. It wasn't. Uh, I, I was scared of growth at this point in my career um, because of what had happened previously. So we built just good local brand, and we ended up selling it off. Me and a business partner, and um, made a little bit of money. But it gave me gave me an establishment of like, man, like I don't have to throw away everything I've done up to this point. Wow. Be, you went back successful. into the same That's business. Wow. OK. Yeah. And then and then you you got a win under your belt. Right. You proved it to yourself. I bet you that felt amazing. Did that did that it sale felt, feel felt better than than the most recent? Uh, I know you did a minority acquisition, right? Yeah. Yep. No, it, it felt it felt uh, felt really good. It felt really good, and, and more importantly, like it gave me. Which which one was better right? though, bro? Like I gotta know this. Like was it like the first one where you just got the win, or like the big boy where you got a bunch more? Like what felt better? Uh, the big boy was pretty sweet. All right, yeah, all right, all right. Yeah, right. You know, <laughs> yeah, there were there was more years put into it okay. that, that just made it made it sweeter. The the other one was like just more of like a a, a good vote of confidence of like all right, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love that. That's so good. Yeah. Dude, so your your bio, man, on, on your site, and and I know that I know this is why one of the major reasons why you're successful, just because I've I've uh I, I've built a team and it says you're passionate about your team. And one of the things that we talk about, Kayla and I always talk about is developing the organization, right? It's it's not a what a what's the strategy problem, it's a who is gonna go implement this thing problem, right? It's not a it's not a how, it's a it's a Absolutely. who, right? And so you've obviously, if you can take six weeks of vacation and have $20 million of revenue flowing through your company every month, right? You definitely have great people. And I think creating a team is overwhelming, right? And it kind of seems impossible to a lot of founders, right? We, we want control, we want over the business, like we got to be in everything. And so tell me, what are some of the mistakes Right, or maybe there's one that really stands out to you in building the successful team that you have now, because there's no way that just like happened for you, right? Yeah. So, so the biggest the biggest mistake was like on my second business, right? Like just the inability to think bigger and to relinquish control and to, um, you know, uh, give out responsibility that I held dear to my heart, right? Um, so, and I realized, I realized that after that business, I'm just like, I want to grow something big and I really don't know how to do it. I really don't know how to, um, properly delegate and properly motivate and properly build a culture. And, and so I knew, I knew how to run a business. I knew, you know, I knew how to make money, I knew sales, 
Um, but, but there was just some things I lacked. And, and so I did what was very uncommon for any entrepreneur. Um, most entrepreneurs, once they go to work for themselves and they've had any success at all, that's where they're at the rest of their life. I decided to go back and work for somebody else. And after you sold that business, you sold that business and then you went and got a job. I love that. I got a job. Yep. And, and I spent the next four and a half years working for three different companies and all with the intent to learn. And, and so while other people were there for a paycheck, I was there studying high growth CEOs. I was there studying processes. I was there studying like people that were doing it bigger and better than me. And, and so, you know, where like, and I, and I, wasn't, and I was willing to do whatever it took. I was willing to go back and start knocking doors again, go back and manage large teams, go back and, you know, uh, cause once again, it wasn't, it wasn't about a paycheck for me. And so the next four and a half years, I was a part of two different IPOs. Um, uh, and, uh, you know, got to, uh, mentor under some of the greatest people ever in the residential product game, Todd Peterson, the founder of Vivint. Um, I learned a ton from him, a ton, a ton, a ton. I learned about building culture. I learned about creating transparency, about building teams, uh, about like the ability to think big and dream big. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I learned what I was capable of doing, like w- limitations that I had held myself to. I was able to break through a lot of those those barriers and and yeah, it was just like four and a half years of paid education that was that I cannot replace. And, you know, during that time, a lot of people approached Well, I got to stop for a second. One. Four and a half years, you guys got to hear what he just said. Four and a half years of paid education. He's like, I went and got an education studying under the, some incredible entrepreneurs in an arena that I was in to go learn. And I got paid while I was doing it. Nobody thinks of a job like that. Nobody, bro. I've... I've actually never met an entrepreneur that has had a successful business that has went and gotten a job to study in an industry. Like that's, that's amazing, dude. Like your story of like five years and where you are now, it didn't make any sense to me until you told, cause you told me this last time we, we, we talked and we were hanging out at that event. And I was like, your story makes so much sense now, right? You were a part of like massive growth and you just, you just absorbed it. That's so good. And, and really, really it came down to ego for me because like, once again, when I, when I said in 2014 was like when I, 2013, 2014 is when I started like accepting my mistakes and like giving up my ego. Um, that was, that was it, you know? And like the reason I went to work for other people, like at first it was really difficult and it was, it was ego, like get, killing the ego to be able to go and do it. Just like, I remember telling the person that was trying to get me to come work for him. And I was like, dude, no, I've already, I've, I do this on my own. I run my own thing. Like, why would I go back to work for somebody else? And it wasn't until I realized like, dude, that's just my ego talking. This isn't this, the smartest decision for me is to go and work for somebody else. And, and, and you so, like, you identified, you're like, I want to do solar. So, so you're, you're thinking your time horizon of what you're planning had to have be, at least been 10 years, right? Because if you're going to go get a job, like, no. did you originally plan to yeah. be there four years or maybe just a year? Or like, because that's, that's, that's thinking long term. So, 
So I'll, I'll tell you, I'll tell you, man, I, I went through kind of an identity crisis. I have a buddy named Casey Baugh, um, interviewed him for my podcast. Guy walked away from Vivint as an employee with a net worth of $37 million, um, uh, as an employee. Wow. And I watched him. I'm going through like these failures and small wins and whatnot. And he's building this crazy thing like uh, – and I'm just like, dude. So I – when I went back to go work, like I viewed it as education, but I wasn't sure what my next step was mm. going to be. I didn't, I didn't know, uh, but I knew I was there to learn. Right. And like, I didn't know I was going to start a solar business. I didn't know, like, like all of us are just figuring it out one, one day at a time. Uh, you know, I like to have a vision and direction of where I'm going, but that can pivot at yeah. any time. Um, and so so yeah, like I, I didn't, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I just knew what I needed to learn. Um, and, and what I needed to learn was how to grow a business, how to, how like, like grow, not, not just like uh, build a small little business. I wanted to freaking go and be the sixth fastest growing company in the nation. And the only, the only way I was going to be able to do that is like, I had to learn from people that were doing it. And so, you know, studying under Todd and then, these culture builders and everything else. And so that, I mean, dude, that's where I learned the value of like building remarkable, more remarkable teams and like the nuts and bolts of culture building. And, and during this time, the four and a half years, a lot of people came to me and like, Chris, dude, why don't you start your own business? Like you got what it takes. I'm like, yeah, I've done it before. I'm like, now's not the time. I like, I literally told people now's not the time for like two and a half, three years. And like people were begging for me to like get back in the game of running, running my own business. Um, and then, and then ultimately the final thing that just happened, like one day it hit me. I'm like, now's the time. And, what hit you, bro? And how'd I you know? Skipped. How'd you and, know? Uh, dude, I don't know. I don't, I don't even remember what, like, I don't know if it was just me listening to spirit yeah. or what, but like, it hit me one day. They're just like, all right, I no longer have passion working for somebody else. And now is the, now's the time I've learned everything I need to learn to go and start again. And dude, I literally walked away from the best job in the world, like best job, like a vice president of human capital was, was the name. And like my job was to go and I built a team of recruiters. We recruited large sales teams. Um, I had an unlimited credit card in which I like flew around to, uh, every major league baseball park in the, in the nation and took people to games and steakhouses in New York. And like, dude, it was like legit, the coolest thing ever. I made a half a million bucks a year. I had like, I could spend whatever the freak I wanted to. And I just did it with really cool people. And I walked away from that and people were shook when I walk away. Like what? Yeah. Like how are you walking away from this? Like, you know, there was, promises of potential equity and all this stuff. And I was just like, dude, like I'm, I'm done. And, and I didn't know what I was going to do next. Like I, I literally didn't, didn't know what I you were going to do. Spent, oh no, my gosh. No, I didn't have this a guy. I didn't have wow. a plan. And all I knew is that it, it was time. And so I walked away October of 2016, just walk, walk away from my job. I'm like, dude, thanks. Great. Awesome. So next Next six months, it was just like soul searching, figuring out what I want to do, trying a few things here, doing a couple side hustles to make sure that the bills are paid. Even though I had plenty of money, I'd never like to live off of savings. And so I just, I 
ran side hustles and this, that, and the other. And, um, dude, during that time is when I learned the power of networking. I, uh, in the next nine months, I networked into like the Royal family, uh, prime ministers of different countries, um, did all kinds of crazy stuff. Um, that's another, another story part for two, another time. Part two. Um, <laughs> part two. Yeah. And then ultimately, um, about, about a year later, I was like, I know what I want to do. And we started wow, soldier. I love it. And, I love it. And so it's incredible, man. Such a and, good story. And then we, but we took the principles, like everything I learned from day one, it was by design. It wasn't like, oh, I think we're going to do this. I, like when we started, we started and it was like, okay, we were doing, you know, character development and leadership development. And we're going to give high fives every single day. And we're going to make sure that this time is dedicated to the employees for this and this. And like, dude, it was like, boom, boom, very structured, very by design. And it worked. And uh, yeah, we, we scaled it. And five and a half years later, here we are. Love it, man. Incredible. Chris, what's something that you usually don't like to share, but you will anyways to benefit the audience? I mean, dude, I already did. You know, what, I, what I just shared with you about like the struggles, uh, the, the struggles that, that we've, Motorboat, we've that's what it was. been faced the last six, the last six months, dude, I, I really, I, you don't see it on my social media. You don't see it on, on anything like that. It's been, it's been a kick in the teeth. We're great and we're doing fine. It's just different problems, different, you know, whatever. But like, yeah, I mean, it's a hurt to my ego to just be like, Hey, guess what? I'm still learning lessons at age 39, even though we're doing, you know, crazy amount of revenue, I'm still making mistakes. So yeah, I mean, that, that was it. Yeah, man. Hey, thanks for sharing that with us, bro. I appreciate that. I'm like, and that's what, that's what people I think, cause do anybody like majority of people listen to this will look at you and be like, I am blown away by the, the size, the velocity, like it's incredible what you've done, man. But the fact that like, you're still going through it. Like we're all having, all going through our same trials. Like the commas don't really change the way that you feel, the way it impacts your emotions, the way it impacts your day. Like it, it's just like, yeah, you're comfortable, but like, Hey, all the studies say you make 70 grand a year after that. Like your happiness doesn't really change. Right. It's like, it's, it's all about that growth path, man. And, and you've, uh, you've done an incredible job. Chris, anything else, man, you want to, you want to well, say, man, you. anything you want to just, just tell the audience, everybody listening right now, man, you've done, you've given so much value already, but anything else on your mind? You know, I, I think, I think the biggest thing for, for anybody listening is just understanding that there's always hope. There's always light at the end of the tunnel, but that's one thing I didn't realize early in my career, right? Like if I can just like, whenever I'm going through something difficult, if I can just like get in like breathe and be like, it's going to work out. Now let's just take on whatever is between here and there and just kind of learn from it, enjoy it and push through it. And that if I, if I just grind, eventually we'll get somewhere and life ain't going to end. And, uh, you know, God, God still lives and my family's still by my side. And like, no matter, no matter what difficulties present themselves today, like I can, I can get through this. And, uh, you know, it, it's, it's interesting because if I could do it all over again, I probably wouldn't have filed bankruptcy. I felt like my whole world had caved in and that there was no way that I would ever be able to get out from underneath what I, what I was going through at mm. that point. But knowing what I know now, 
I could have, I could have figured it out. I would have like gone and tried to negotiate with my creditors and done, done all these different things and like put it off and try to figure out solutions. But, um, there's always a solution. It may not come to you immediately. Just keep pushing. Door will eventually open for you. And if you, if you're constantly knocking, you're constantly pushing, you'll, you'll, you'll find, you'll find something in, in, you know, that, that works. Love so, that. I mean, that, that's Love it. that, man. Guys, if you're listening right now, thank you so much for being on with us today. Um, I want I want to hear your biggest takeaway. What's the biggest nugget? There were so many. I'm like, I'm like freaking out. My brain's like twisted in knots because Chris just dropped so many bombs. So leave a review if you're listening on the podcast. Leave a review. Tell us your biggest takeaway. If you're on YouTube, drop a comment. Give us your biggest takeaway. And uh, and thanks for listening. Being on another episode of Big Business Mistakes, Chris. Thanks for being here, dude. You're freaking, you're legend, bro. Like, it's so impressive, man. So impressive, man. Appreciate you having me.